Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 9 of season 5. This season covers the 2019 Australian competitive barbecue circuit and includes recordings from some of the biggest and best festivals from all over this beautiful wide brown land of ours. In short, I'm going to be spending the year flying, driving, eating, walking and talking my way around Australia and I'm bringing you along for the ride. For this episode, it's a local comp, just a quick drive up the motorway to Brisbane for the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. This year's festival marked a hat-trick for BBR, marking three years in a row of a great weekend of barbecue, craft beer, live music and good times. And it was the first ever KCBS competition in Queensland, so that was exciting to see all the teams getting involved in that. And boy, did this comp draw them in. We had competitors travel all the way from the other side of the continent to be part of this, which was just amazing. Before we get into it, I'd like to let you know about our awesome online shop. If you, like me, have a thing for barbecue caps, you've got to check out our awesome kettle cap. It's a wide-on black trucker-style cap with a snapback fitting. The unique design sums up our two favourite things in life, barbecue and podcasts about barbecue. Check them out now at smokinghotconfessions.com shop. I'd also like to invite you to join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. If you're looking for a barbecue group that is full of open-minded people who just love to help each other out, the Smoking Hot Confessions community is a great place to continue the conversation. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please subscribe, rate and review the show. It really helps me spread that barbecue love. So without further ado, grab your favorite gluten-free, low-carb, micro-brewed craft beer and some slices of juicy grilled tri-tip and join me at the always incredible Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hey folks, it's Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. We're at the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow in Cleveland. With me right now, I've got Nathan from Sticky Fingers Barbecue, and we're on the countdown to the lamb hand-in. Mate, have you been enjoying the Beer and Barbecue Roadshow so far? Yeah, mate, it's been really good, really good. Um, we've been pretty lucky with the weather today, and yeah, it's plenty of big crowd in, so yeah, really good experience, and yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, the crowd's been building throughout the day, so I think they're all getting ready for the bands coming in tonight. Definitely, yeah. No, it looks like it's uh, pretty jockers in here, so uh, it's ready for a big night, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, fantastic. So, mate, tell me about Sticky Fingers. How'd you guys get together? Yeah, mate, so we all work together on um, on a drill rig, and um, yeah, we've been cooking for about four years on site and, and just um, at home, and just all got a good passion for barbecue, and yeah, really love it. So, we all got together as a team just to do a few local comps, and here we are. So do you manage to, to time all your shifts on the drill rig so you're all off together so you can <clears> practice together or you Yeah, that's right, yeah. So we just get a bit of time, we can we can hide away from work and get the smoking going for the dinner after work, so it all works out right. Beautiful. Now I can see that you're cooking on uh, on two different variations of drum smoker here. Why is it that you go for the drums? That's right, yeah. So the drums here yeah, we just like the finish of the meat when we cook on them, so we like cooking hot and fast. So we've got the gateway and we've got a uh, the big bopper smokers so yeah we just like the finish of our meat on doing hot and fast and the gateways and the drum smokers the way to go we, we find now gateways are really taking the barbecue scene by storm at the moment here in australia can you explain to me a bit of the difference between a gateway and a big popper 
Yep. Uh, well, the Gateway is made in America, and the Big Bop is just a yeah, Australian-made like, home job. And um, yeah, got pretty much the same difference. We get a good finish on both, but um, yeah, the Gateway is definitely they look better. And um, but yeah, def- but finish-wise, they're both pretty similar. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So. Do you have any idea sort of why people are so drawn to the gateway? Like the, the the word that a lot of people use is magic. Yeah, I reckon, oh, well, they look good for a start. <laughs> they're easy to use. They're pretty pretty versatile. They, you know, they're not so bulky, so you can fit them around. You can take them camping, barbecues, take them around. And, yeah, they always they just sit pretty steady and always get good results for them. The way your meat's always... No, it's never dried out. It holds the heat in really well. So, no, they're really good smokers. Nice. Americans have done a good job. Sounds like good stuff, mate. Yeah. So, we're talking lamb. We're getting ready for the lamb handing. We're on the countdown. Yep. Tell me what you're doing for lamb. Lamb, we got our uh, lamb ribs from Tassie, and we've got backstrap as well, that we're going to throw in the box. So, yeah, so we're going to cut up uh, the backstrap, and the lamb ribs will be as is, cut up, ready to go. So, hopefully, they turn out all good. Any clues you can give me as to how you're doing them, like different spices and things like that? Uh, we just use Cosmos rubs. That's our secret, our American style. And, um, yeah, just uh, Brad King's timber for flavour, and that's about it. Yeah, just let it go, do its own thing. Nice, hot and fast, and can't go wrong with lamb. Yeah, it's hard to go past Cosmos Q. They do some great stuff. Definitely, yeah. No, he's got really good selection of our sauces and rubs for every sort of meat and yeah, we've always got the best results for them so sticking with him and uh, he's really good. Now with regard to the other hand-ins, it's a KCBS competition so it's a little bit different for most of us here in Queensland because it's the first ever KCBS competition here. What hand-in are you sort of most driving for today? Oh, definitely the brisket would be the toughest so um, yeah we're looking forward to the brisket um, and last year we actually cleaned up on the lamb so we're pretty confident on our lamb so yeah. Um, yeah, but brisket will be the good one today, <clears throat> or tomorrow actually. Yeah. Do you think there'll be much of a difference between um, how the ABA judges look at uh, brisket and how KCBS judges look at brisket, for example? I reckon they'll be pretty similar in the results. I think, yeah, the meat does a little talking, so I'm sure they'll be all on par, hopefully. But um, hopefully they've got some good judges here today and tomorrow. But. Yeah. yeah, well, mate, the, the meat will certainly do the talking. Look, thanks so much for your time. I, I, I know you've got to get ready for this uh, next lamb hand-in or the first lamb hand-in, so best of luck with it. No worries. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Hey, folks, Ben from Spoken Hot Confessions here. We've just finished up the beef rib hand-in at the uh, Barbecue and Beer Roadshow here, and I've got the fellas here from the Chainsmokers. Lads, how are you feeling this afternoon? Uh, a little bit gutted. We uh, missed our lamb hand-in, but we got our beef in, so... Things happen, but unfortunately we missed our lamb, so. Oh, mate, that's got to be disappointing. Yeah, a minute late, so we're a bit gutted, but oh well, it happens. We just got to make sure we don't do it in the uh, main handings. At least it was just an ancillary, though, so it's not going to count to the overall championship. Yeah, so we're pretty happy about that. Yeah, (laughs) the silver lining, folks, the silver lining. But yeah, we're pretty happy, so hopefully we've done a good beef turn in, and hopefully the rest of our stuff comes out quite nicely, so. Mate, those beef ribs look fantastic. Tell me about what you smoked them on. Uh, we smoked them on the uh, Bullhead Creek. Um, yeah, Aaron was our main main cook for that one. So we did Ironbark and um, Lane's Rub with that one. A bit of Lane's on the beef, nice. The the Ancho Espresso one? Uh, mix uh, with the brisket. Oh, very nice, very cool. And so what, uh, what temperature do you usually run them at? Uh, 225 to 250. Oh, okay. And then what? 
looking for a round two oh three or do you just pro for tenderness? Pro for tenderness, then wrap and spread. Very interesting. Okay. So tell me about your, your competition year so far. It's been awesome, mate. <laughs> it's, it's been really good, but we really enjoy it. We, we, we love we love cooking, so that's what's brought us here, and and um, yeah, we we love coming down as a team and competing. So yeah. it's a lot of fun, a lot of good guys around. So how many have you done so far this year? No, uh, this is our second, second this year. Um, it's sort of quite new, so it's it's quite expensive, as you know, to get around and do a heap of comps. So we try just minimize minimize it and do what we can and what we can try afford. Less. Well, there's something really interesting happening in the Queensland barbecue scene at the moment, and that is the moving in of KCBS. So this is, of course, the first KCBS competition in Queensland. Are you guys doing Burley and then the one in the Sunshine yeah. Coast to hit you through? Yes, we are, yep. No, yeah. we're doing Burley. Yeah, yeah we're going to we do are. Sunshine Coast. So this one, Burley and then Sunshine yeah. Coast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're going to do it. We haven't booked it in yet, but yeah, we're oh, going to do yeah. it. We've booked Burley oh, in. Surprise. Burley's Jeez. booked in. So. so maybe when we wrap here, then you guys can have a team meeting and you can uh, decide that. <laughs> a bit of controversy going on in the team at the moment, but <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be competing. So Infighting has broken out in the team. My job here is done. <laughs> so tomorrow's the big day. You've got your, what do you got? Brisket, pork ribs, pork and chicken. chicken. Yeah. So which of the hand-ins are you most um, comfortable with of those four? Pork ribs. Pork ribs. I'm comfortable with brisket. Um, pork ribs, brisket, and chicken. We're a bit, we're a bit scared about the pork. It's um, yeah. <laughs> Not I'd scared, rather cook lamb. And get it in on time. And, and we're back to the lamb. <laughs> like I find personally, pork is really hard to make it look good in the box. Yeah, I find that as well. And um, we haven't had that much experience with pork too, so we're still pretty fresh at it. We've done obviously ribs and stuff like that, but just doing it to the KCB BS um, standard, it's yeah, yeah it's going to be a bit of a tough challenge to see if we can get it right. Yeah, well, the the rules are a little bit tricky. So you can butterfly the money muscle, but you can't t uh, take it all the way out. So yeah, so does that sort of thing change your your approach to cooking it, or it does. is your approach no. always the same? No, it changes my approach to cooking it. I we got um, three butts for this weekend and we're going to put one on like maybe at five in the morning and then we'll put one on at seven and then maybe one on at eight and see what comes out better. I like that strategy, playing the numbers. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All, All right, right. Here, here we go. The numbers. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, look, fellas, thanks very much for your time this afternoon. I think it's uh, it's beer o'clock, isn't it? That's it, mate. Always, That's it. Um, <laughs> the sun up? Yeah. <laughs> All right, best of luck with it tomorrow. Thanks, East Ben. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Hey folks, Ben from Spoken Hot Confessions here. We've just wrapped up the last hand in at the uh, Barbecue and Beer Roadshow and come all the way uh, out of uh, Broke, we've got Rob from Smoking Hot and Saucy and the big girl Jolene. Mate, thanks for coming all this way. Yeah, mate, it's, um, I went and Julian sort of contacted us and said, would we like to come up? Um, you know, I sort of jumped at the chance. We love to, you know, spread the word of barbecue and take Jolene around to as many festivals as possible and show her off. But, um, Every time we get to cook barbecue and serve the public, it's always going to be a good day. So, um, you now the weather today hasn't been that great, but the you know, sales have been pretty good. And hopefully tomorrow, um, the weather clears up and, and uh, more people come out and support it. And it's a good event, some good music, some good beers. So yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I, I think they will. It's um, there's not supposed to be any more rain tomorrow, so that should come good for us. No, fantastic. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's get into Jolene, mate. Yeah. She pulls a crowd everywhere she goes. Tell me the origin story. So, I needed. I needed a bigger smoker, 
um, I was cooking on sort of three or four smaller pits. Um, our comp rig, the manhorn pit that I got, and a couple of pits I'd already built at home. Um, I'd had a sort of capacity of doing about 18 biscuits at a time, and then I'd have to do beef ribs and pork butts on, on top of that. So I was cooking sort of five, six days a week just to try and keep up with our demand at that point in time. So when I was in Texas last July, uh, July August, um, I found a thousand gallon pit that we got built and um, basically it was going to get shipped back to Australia and we looked into it and how much it was going to cost. I got a couple of quotes on getting built and built here and I was going to save a considerable amount of money by building in America and getting it shipped over. Really? So, yeah, oh, lots. So I won't tell you how much, but a lot of, like, wow, a lot of money. Wow, that's really surprising. Yeah, so we, um, we got to build over there. Um, put on a boat. In the meantime, um, I saw on the Facebook marketplace um, the barrel that became Jolene was in um, for sale in Melbourne. So I contacted the guy that was selling it and uh, we, we came up to an arrangement and um, a, a mate of mine in Newcastle helped me ship it up from uh, Melbourne to Newcastle. I went and picked it up on a, 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 a car float and um, shipped it back home and, and when I picked it up I was like, oh, it's a lot bigger than I originally anticipated. <laughs> um, it was advertised as four metres long, one metre diameter. And um, and she's it's 5.3 yeah. <laughs> metres long and 1.52 diameter. Yeah. Um, and so when I got it, I was like, wow, this is a lot bigger than I thought. <laughs> um, it would have been a perfect thousand gallon tank if it was in the dimensions that was advertised. Um, it's actually a two and a half thousand gallon tank. Wow. And, um, and so when I had it home, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to make a garden on it out of it. I need to use it. So basically the first day I got it at home, we, we started the project, measured it up and thought, right, this is what I've got to do. So the five-inch grinder came out and we cut the doors out. <laughs> it took about three months um, to build it, but all in all, it was about five 12-hour shifts of work. Wow. So it wasn't much at all. Um, we got hampered by... Rain, fire bands, um, temperature. You know, you don't want to be outside the world when it's 40 degrees no, Celsius. No, you do not. Um, and I had to, so I contacted a mate who just lives down the corner. He runs a, a business called Rusty and Broke. He does like, um, um, does up old cars. He's a bit of a fabricator. And, oh, right, cool. So I said, do you want to help me build a smoker? And he thought I was, you know, and so I sent him a drawing and he goes, oh, yeah, a smoker. And I went, yeah, mate, he's big. So, um, yeah, we, we sort of thought, well, I sort of based it on a, a principle of some of the pits, some of the brick pits over in Texas, the crites, you know, the, the, um, the, the big brick pits that are, you know, 40 foot long with 60 foot stacks and, and they've got natural draw, you know, like you're walking the fires on the ground but the, fire, the flames and the smoke's all sucking into the smoker. Yep. And um, so we, we, we designed it on that where I thought, right, if I have big enough stacks, um, I'll be able to suck enough heat through and cook something. I didn't want to, it's only got two shelves. Um, I didn't want to bog it down by... Um, putting too much meat in and having restricting airflow. I think a yep. lot of Australian pits um, do that, um, where you've got too many shelves, too much meat in there, and you can't get the airflow required to actually do any good cooking or good Texas barbecue cooking. Yep. You still cook. Um, but we want to do Texas barbecue, which is that real massive draw, dynamic airflow, suck the air through. So, yeah, this is the concept we came up with. So we've got a, a firebox that weighs 1.2 tonne. Um, the barrel... We've got two shelves the whole way length through there. We can fit 72 eight kilo briskets in her. Wow. Um, it's got eight doors, oh. four each side. And when it's running, um, there's very there's probably three or four degrees Fahrenheit difference from one end to the other. Really? So um, it's very efficient. That's impressive. Um, I suppose we, 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 we burn a lot of timber, but we also cook a lot of meat, so it sort of offsets itself. Um, 
And now, with the demand that I've got with the food truck and festivals that we do, we have got briskets going to a couple of restaurants and a couple of um, oh, cool. a couple of cafes and a couple of coffee shops. So with those guys putting orders in every week and, and stuff like that, I'm able to do one cook a week now, or two cooks a week, as opposed to running an offset or, or four offsets for four days or five days. So I'm burning less timber and I've, I've got myself some time back. Beautiful. That's yeah. the most important thing, man. You you can never get back time. No, that's right. So you know, more time with the family and and. Um, but then we decided, we, you know, once we got a bigger smoke, we'd book a bigger festival. So here we are in Brisbane. But, you know, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened to the one that, that, that you haven't made in Texas? Uh, so, yeah, Big Tex. Big Tex arrived. Um, oh, Big Tex arrived about two weeks before Meastock Sydney. Um, and then the uh, the guy who built Big Tex, Ken Horton, um, from Cedar Hills in uh, in Texas, he came out from Meastock Sydney, but we took Jolene to Meastock Sydney and Big Tex went to Tokyo Field Days for a first big event. My wife ran it down there and cooked barbecue for the public. Oh, so, wow. Um, my wife's one of the, probably the best best brisket cooks in the country. Um, but, uh, you, know, all, you know, all the boys would be like laughing at me, but I guarantee it, she's one of the, she's up there. Yeah, one of the, probably top three brisket cooks in the country. So um, the guys the guys cutting brisket on the bus always tell me, did Randy cook brisket last night? And I'm like, why is that? And he's like, oh, the brisket's awesome. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. So... Um, no, she she is a, a really good brisket cook. Um, knows what she's doing with brisket. So she went there and um, she sold about fifteen hundred plates of food wow. over a couple of days um, there at Take Our Field Days. So um, yeah, she ran Big Tex, and, and then since then we've taken him around to a few different festivals. So Big Tex is hers. It's from Texas, so it's got a, a male name, and then Jolene's mine um, because she's female and keeps me away from her. And, but um, yeah, we love her, so she's good. So is this officially then the largest smoker in the country? Yeah, I think it's the biggest smoker in the country. Um, certainly, as I said, we can fit 72 8 kilo briskets in it. I'm not sure if there's a smoker in the country that could do that. Um, I don't think there capacity. is. Um, you know, but at the same token, um, you know, it, it's one of the things about this smoker is it's just fantastic. Like, it cooks great barbecue. Um, I didn't really care how it looked. It, it, you know, we're not going to paint it. It's finished. Um, it's in a state that as it is. Um, She's redneck, she's rustic, but at the end of the day, it was about the product that it produced out of it. Um, it wasn't, you know, I needed a smoker to, to cook big capacity, not um, not a smoker that looked good, that drew in a crowd. I wanted something to cook good barbecue. The fact that she draws in a crowd is second, secondary, really. Um, so we had to be able to cook consistent good barbecue, get the crowds coming back, keep people coming to eat at the bus, um, because this is our full-time job. So uh, it wasn't about going and spending sixty or $70,000 on an Australian-built um, uh, smoker um, with a trailer that was big enough because that was some of the prices that were flooded to me. Oh, easily. Um, what I yeah, wanted yeah. to do. Um, so I, I effectively built um, the biggest offset, I think it's in the southern hemisphere, um, uh, for, for less than about 6000 bucks. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. It's, Mate, um, that is money and time well invested. Yeah, well, a lot of it's hard work on my own part, but... Um, you know, and we paid um, Fletch from around the corner, um, Fletch Perry. Um, so, and he was a really good guy. He, did, he charged a reasonable rate to help us out. And, um, you know, he came over and flogged himself. But as I said, like, all in all, there's probably five 12-hour shifts that we spent on it. And, um, you know, a fair bit of that time was really working out the counterweight system, which was a bit of a suck it and see. And we got it going. We got the counterweights pretty much right the first time. Um, they just need five kilos each in each weight more. And that's why we put the timbers up there to give us that extra weight to hold the doors open. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah, in okay. In the hollows, there's timbers. Yep, I can see that. Um, there's a big chunk of, like, a log in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So five kilos extra to, to make sure the doors stay open for us. 
Um, but yeah, I, it was a it was a means to an end to try and get through a period of time where we needed to cook more with, and get some time back whilst we're waiting for a thousand gallon to come. And now this is what we use all the time. So big techs hopefully will go down to the lot in the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, nice! He'll, he'll live there permanently. Yeah, yeah. So he'll um, he'll he'll set up shop down there in Newcastle. And then we're currently looking for a place to be able to um, put Jolene in permanently in bricks and mortar sort of fashion. Oh, very cool. Um, I've also got access, my wife doesn't know this yet, I've got access to another tank the exact same size to build a sister pit. Um, Are you sure you don't want to talk to her about this before you talk about it to me oh, on the camera? Ah, that's right, she'll find out. But, uh, <laughs> well, but yeah, she will find out when she sees the video. Yeah. But I've also got another thousand gallon getting built in Texas, which we've got to try and work all down a bit. So <laughs> we've got some big pits getting built, but you know, I think if we're smart about what we're doing and we can keep consistently good barbecue, and that's the hardest thing for us about getting bigger is to make sure that what we're putting out there is the same. You know, people can know what they're going to expect. You know, expect good brisket, good beef ribs. Um, you know, we're going to change up our pork a little bit. We've been a lot of pork belly the last couple of festivals, and um, you know, I think pulled pork's been done to death. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that's like if you've got a good sauce, you've got good pork belly. Uh, we've got a good uh, good pulled pork, but we've got a good sauce. But I'm just bit overcooking it so I want to do some pork steak stuff like Stone's Barbecue does over yeah, in Texas yeah. Um, but yeah and, and if the price of pork comes down which I don't think it's going to anytime soon we like to do some pork ribs too but just trying to make it viable for the customer and viable for us is very hard to do so yeah that's what I hear from uh, from a lot of caterers and vendors and, um, and all that sort of stuff is that the the profit margin in in pork ribs just pretty much make it impossible to do. Basically, I think I think you know, a lot of the pubs are doing it pretty much running it as a as a probably cost neutral um, benefit with their pork ribs, but they're making money on beer, whereas I need to make money on food. So I can't run pork ribs at a loss. You know, you got to charge, and I just don't feel comfortable charging six or seventy dollars for a rack of ribs. Um, you know, I think don't get me wrong, I think they're probably worth that, but at the same token. No one in Australia is flush with money. We're all got to pay mortgages. We're all paying taxes. We're all got to pay rates, and you know we can't put our kids and feed our kids. So, mate, I got three of them. I know exactly what it's like. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the things we did at Broke was raise money for the local school because we know they need the money, and it's very hard to do. But um, no one in Australia is flush with cash. The average Joe, there's people that are making good money, but sure. the average Joe that that we're trying to feed, um, you know, I don't want to try and rip them off. I want to give them a good feed. And hopefully they can come down and, and yeah, if the price of pork comes down, we'll put pork meat back on the menu. But yeah. And we can fit a lot of them in Jolene. So well, I would fun. imagine so. If you yeah. can fit 72 eight-kilo briskets, I mean, that's yeah. got to be well into the hundreds of racks of ribs. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's um, And I'd, I was talking to the guys that did the KCBS judging today, the, their training, and they actually cooked the pork ribs for the training in Jolene. Oh, really? And the feedback that he gave us was, oh, the best colour pork ribs he's ever had come off a smoker. So... Beautiful mahogany, very even. Uh, as I said, it's just it's very even from one side to the other. And um, no, we've actually com- we've competed on Jolene too, so we've done a couple of competitions now on her. Um, so and she's done pretty well. Very cool. And so, do you just run it on on iron bark? Just iron bark, mate. Big chunks of iron bark. Excellent, love it. Yeah. All right, man. Look, I'm going to say thanks so much for your time. No, Thank you for introducing me to Jolene and thanks, uh, and let me have a good look. And yeah. uh, best of luck with the rest of the festival. Cheers, mate. Looking forward to it. All right, folks, welcome to the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow 2019 Pitmaster Q&A session. I've got three of the best in the game here for you to uh, for you to talk to today. And I'm going to call him out first, Graham. we got Graham from Pit Crew Barbecue, who also runs Stockpot Kitchen down in uh, in Lismore. 
and he's just recently published his new book, Red Hot and Smokin'. Please give him a round of applause. All righty, next up we've got Drew from Barbecue Mafia. Come on out, Drew. Barbecue Mafia is one of the best barbecue competition teams. There is multiple grand champion winning, traveled overseas, competed overseas, won several, several high-level awards overseas and has some exciting news about a, a, his mobster source we're going to ask him about later on. And third, we have Lance from Temple of Barbecue. His book, Temple of Barbecue, won best barbecue cookbook in the world when it was published uh, 2016, 2017, 2016. So there you go, best barbecue cookbook in the world. Could you please give Drew and Lance a hand as well? Alrighty, so I'll actually kick things off and I've given you each a brief introduction, but if you'd like to uh, just uh, speak into your mic, we'll start with you first, Graham. Just give us a bit of a, bit of a rundown on, uh, on, on who you are and what you do. Uh, my name's Graham, obviously. Or maybe not so obviously, but it's real. Uh, I am owner and pit master at the Stockpot Kitchen Smokehouse Barbecue and Fried Chicken in Lismore, northern New South Wales. Uh, we also, out of that kitchen, we bottle our own condiments under the label Big Red Brand for maybe obvious reasons. Uh, and yeah, also just knocked up a little cookbook called Red Hot and Smoking. But also maybe obvious reasons. Because <laughs> he's got a red beard, he's hot, and he's smoking. All right, Drew, tell us a bit about Barbecue Mafia. Hey, guys, I'm Drew from Barbecue Mafia, um, based here in beautiful, sunny Brisbane. Um, we have been around since 2013. Uh, we have our own um, range of rubs and sauces that we sell across the country. Hopefully, a few of you guys have been to our pop-up restaurants that we do here in Brisbane. If you haven't, come to the next one. Um, and yeah, we're just uh, four guys who love having a bit of fun and, um, and love this barbecue scene. Beautiful, Lance. Hi, I'm uh, Lance Rosen from Big Boy Barbecue and Temples of Barbecue. I opened the first barbecue restaurant in Melbourne in 2011, before anybody was really talking about barbecue. Um, and um, we're pretty much accredited as being one of the pioneers of barbecue within Australia. I wrote a, the cookbook Temples of Barbecue, which won the award for best barbecue cookbook in the world. Uh, it's a real thing, by the way. I didn't just make that up. And uh, my mum's pretty happy about that. Hi, mum. And um, we have them for sale here. We've also come up with our um, line of sauces, which we sell, some disposable chopping boards. Pretty much love everything barbecue and always happy to have a chat, except tomorrow during turn-in times. Don't be upset if I, you know, don't talk to you. Like, come talk to me afterwards. Now, each of these three gentlemen who are joining us up here today, they are all competitors here this weekend as well. So they're taking time out away from their pits. They've left it with the rest of their team, except for Graham, because I can see his team's over here. So I don't know I, I don't know who's monitoring the fire back down there. That, that's going to be exciting. And what we're going to do is I'm going to run the microphone out to you so you can ask questions of these pit masters. So just wave your hands in the air and I'll bring out the mic. In the meantime, Gray, I'm going to kick things off with you, mate. What was your inspiration behind writing your, your new cookbook? Uh, well, I guess for me, um, working in a restaurant, like uh, I'm, I'm testing recipes all the time, like writing them down. Um, I also have a really second-rate food blog called Food is the Best Ever, which I... Children-friendly, children-friendly. 
Food is the best stuff ever. Stuff, things, um, which I regularly post recipes that I've been trialling and it, it got to the point where I had literally like hundreds and hundreds of recipes up on this thing and I was like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense to see if some fool wants to publish it? Uh, and, yeah, got lucky, I guess. Like, compiled a few, sent it to a publisher. They said, hey, yeah, let's publish this thing. And a year down the track, I'd have it in my lap and sitting up here talking about it, you know? Happy days, happy yeah, days. Really. And how's the, the public response been? I, well, f- for us, like, um, we sell them through the restaurant and it's been absolutely fantastic. Like, so you sold all seven copies? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, Auntie Chris, uh, Uncle John. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, it's a bit of a novelty. You get people asking you to sign your book and when I'm not there, they ask my wife to sign it and she loves it. Like She's been forging your signature for years anyway. So. Really? I know. I know. It, it's actually paid off for her now. She, she gets to write messages that I would never, ever think of writing in a cookbook. Um, but no, no, it's been great. Beautiful. And now, Drew, you've got some really big news to share, don't you? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, uh, probably the year before last, we um, uh, concocted and released our own barbecue sauce, an Australian sort of spin on an American barbecue sauce. Um, And then we uh, entered it in the World Hot Sauce Championships over in Louisiana at the end of last year. And we were lucky enough to win the world's best steak sauce with that that sauce. So... um, Designed by four non-chefs out of Brisbane, uh, we're pretty pretty stoked to be able to put together an effort like that. Um, and and yeah, it's uh, gone gangbusters here in Australia for us. And um, we're we're pretty lucky to be able to announce that pretty soon we'll be releasing our rubs and sauce in the US. So um, that's a really exciting thing for us. Um, we go to a lot of barbecue competitions now, and we see a hell of a lot of people wearing our hats and and our shirts and stuff around. It's quite humbling to see that people support your brand um, from, from its humble beginning. So um, thank you to everyone who has been part of that. I right, just have a quick question. What's the easiest thing to cook for a novice cooker like myself? Uh, the, e- the easiest thing to cook for a novice, I would, I would probably say, is pulled pork. Yep. So um, go, to your, go to your local butcher and ask him for a pork collar butt um, and, and make that as long as you follow the directives of cooking it to the right temperature, it will, with a small rest, it will absolutely just pull apart to perfect pulled pork every time. So um, there is a bit of a, um, you can put it in an oven, you can do it on a smoker, you can do whatever you like, but as long as you treat it with a bit of care, um, you're going to get a pretty good product every single time. It's a good one to start on, it's a hard one to stuff up. So um, rest assured, mate, in the first probably 18 months, we stuffed up a lot. <laughs> It's the only way you get better is to make mistakes and grow from that. So hit us up on our Instagram or Facebook anytime you want a hand as well, man. And probably as well, like don't start with a seven kilo Wagyu brisket because you will probably chuck 200 bucks down the toilet pretty quickly. Only 200 if you're lucky. Yeah. I don't know why they're worth to the public, yeah. so. <laughs> so that was, that was best steak sauce in the world, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That is so good. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We just went up. We just thought, oh, we'll just enter it and see how it goes. And um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty awesome, mate, to, to get a result like that. So, how humble is this, though? Like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. 
Yeah. Yeah, I just, just won best just steak best sauce one. in the world. Yeah. You know, it, I'm, it could I'm all now, go to crap tomorrow, so I'm now shipping my rubs to America. I'm showing the Americans how to do their own style of barbecue, but you know oh, it. it's okay. I love the Aussies <laughs> over there, mate. Yeah. Lance, you did a hell of a lot of research for your book, man. Can you tell us about what you did? Yeah, I'm uh, pretty much love traveling in the US for barbecue. It's a tough job, right? Everybody wants the job. So what I did was I've done a lot of road trips through the South. So the cookbook is actually a road trip cookbook. And it goes through the four main barbecue regions in the US. So started in um, um, Memphis, Tennessee, went down to um, Texas, went through the Carolinas and Kansas City. So your four main regions. And then so the way it's structured is it's structured like a road trip. Talk about where we went, what we saw, what we ate. Um, spoke about the different smokehouses, what they were cooking on, and then recipes which were designed for the Australian market. So back then, there was it was the first Australian cookbook that was out that was talking about barbecue. Everything else was in you know pounds and ounces and Fahrenheit. We're talking Fahrenheit and Celsius and pounds and ounces, but it was designed for ingredients that you could find here. So when we first started off, there were no rubs you could buy in the shop. There was no wood you could get. Uh, the first time I called up a, um, a wood guy to say I wanted some apple wood, he said, yeah, bring a chainsaw and a trailer and come and cut some down, you know. So there was like nothing available. So when we started off, like our barbecue sauce, the Dorothy's Dream, which is Kansas City style barbecue sauce, uh, we had to make up all of our sauces and all of our rubs from scratch because there was nothing here. You, you couldn't get wood. Nobody even knew what we were talking about. You know, back in those days, we went down to barbecues galore, went to go and look for a smoker, and they didn't have any. They had gas-hooded grills, you know? And it's really exciting to watch what's happened in the industry over the last nine years. We opened in uh, early 2011, so just watching the whole industry change and Australia embrace meat and food cooked over wood and coal is amazing. Um, I was just going to ask... You know, part of the culture of barbecue is just to constantly keep experimenting and seeing what you can do and seeing what's better amongst woods and sauces and rubs. Um, I guess coming to a competition like this, you know, how do you decide that's the one, this is what we're going to put up today, especially with Barbecue Mafia when you've got four guys having the discussion, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, man. Um, we, our, our barbecue got better when we made the call to have one captain so you've got four guys, you all think you can cook pretty well, but you need to have a leader so you don't end up just pulling and pushing in every different direction. So uh, Ryan and our team is our team captain. Um, we all sit down and we go through the flavours together and how we want to sort of formulate the, the barbecue, but at the end of the day, what goes in the box is, is his call uh, and we all sort of stand behind that. And um, I think you kind of have to have that. If you just have everyone with egos, man, it's, it just doesn't work out. But... Um, in terms of the flavours and profiles and stuff, it took us a long time to get to where we wanted to be. And this stuff out here, the competition stuff, is probably trying to make the most inoffensive barbecue you can make. So the stuff at home, you'll put heaps of chilli in the back end of it and spiciness and what have you. Here, you just want to be... You want Joe Blow to love it. So the guy in the middle who, you know, doesn't like really hot and doesn't like no heat, he, he's going to love it. So that's what we kind of go for. And if you can't solve the the, uh, the debate diplomatically, there's always jujitsu. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm just wondering how you would really incorporate the smoky kind of barbecue if you were just at home in a like learner's kind of situation. 
um, what kind of setup you would have in, for example, a townhouse in the middle of Brisbane. Can you repeat that? It was really hard to hear that with the music behind us. As she was asking um, what advice you would have for an absolute dead set beginner in, in the uh, getting into the world of smoking who lives in a townhouse. Look, I, I think for the beginner, most beginners would over-smoke their food. I think the biggest key for me is to understand smoke as a seasoning, not as predominant flavour profile. You don't want to be burping smoke one hour later. You don't want to feel like you've licked an ashtray. So if you use smoke as a seasoning, salt, pepper, smoke, um, which means a lighter smoke profile, and then work to have a clean fire to get that. So you can add that in very lightly, but I think biggest mistake I see is most people over smoking their food in the beginning, thinking it needs to taste like a campfire. Should probably also check your body corporate rules too. <laughs> or, or not. Hey boys, thanks very much. It's uh, really enlightening because I'm a complete novice in this and uh, really enjoying it for today. Uh, one of the questions I've got is that I'm a big Hurston Bloomfield fan. And so I was just wondering in this industry, is there anything going a little bit uh, gourmet and crazy that you can think of in the next five years? In terms of gourmet, you mean more fine dining? Uh, not so much fine dining, but just some really uh, interesting, cool stuff that people want to come and Look, experience. Because that's what that Hurston stuff is, more about the experience than anything. Yeah, that's absolutely. I think, I, I think we're seeing a lot of different meats being cooked barbecue style. You know, it used to, nine years ago, nobody knew what it was. So pulled pork was, you know, the norm and brisket was great and ribs are always good, you know, and chicken. But now you're starting to see things like lamb shanks, oxtails, um, that kind of stuff. I don't know if I'd call it gourmet, but it's just, I think the Australian um, mindset and we look at our meats and we go, oh yeah, that'd be good and we give it a try. Whereas sometimes in the US, they're kind of stuck in the paradigm of what it should and shouldn't be. And we have great lamb here. I think lamb on the smoker is probably one of my, the best meats to smoke, you know? Even um, for us at the restaurant, like quite often you'll have, say, you know, like pulled pork or uh, brisket left over from the night before. And just like uh, Australia's pretty big on the Asian influence. And so like, I love it. I love Thai food. I love Vietnamese food. And I'll quite often find myself doing like a fur you know, Vietnamese soup with chopped brisket in it. Like everything else is traditional Vietnamese, but chopped brisket. Or I'll do like a pulled pork fried rice. And honestly, you wouldn't go past it. You would cook pulled pork just to make the fried rice. You know, like it is absolutely awesome. Pulled pork spring rolls. You know, like uh, this, this sort of stuff. Did you me? Yeah, me would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Like smoked pork belly in a barn me is off its noodle. Like, and this sort of stuff in Australia, I think, maybe we'll start to uh, maybe become a little trendy because we do like that Asian influence so much. You know, what I was going to say is our proximity to Asia actually yeah. works in our favour. We have very good Asian food in this country as opposed to in the US where it's maybe not that great. And so things like things that I've done is, you know, duck legs, salt and pepper duck legs and put them in um, you know, steam buns, you know, that kind of stuff. So we, we're very free here because we have such a wide variety of cultures whose food we see on a regular basis. You know, we just, it's not like it's uh, back in the 70s where it was fish and chips, you know, it's a lot more than that. There's also a lot of um, people associate barbecue in Australia with what you've had at a pub. So people might have had uh, the pork ribs that might have been boiled and then grilled 
uh, pulled pork, which has maybe been sitting in the uh, back of their refrigerator for a whole week. Do yourself a favour, guys. Get down to Lismore and see these guys. If you're in Melbourne, go and see these guys. This is real barbecue. So I've done a tour around Texas and eaten barbecue 10 times in two days. This is real barbecue that you're sitting here listening to at the moment. Like, um, it's, easy to, it's easy to throw it in an oven, but the, the time and the labour that goes into proper wood smoke barbecue is it's another level completely. Can I add to that? Just talking about um, ribs, boiled and grilled ribs and texture. You know, I don't mind chewing a little bit of uh, charry bark, you know. It's cooked over fire, and so en- edges do burn, you know, at the risk of sounding funny. I'd rather keep that for myself than serve that to the customer sometimes because that's the tastiest <laughs> bit. Even though, sorry, mate, but while, while we're on the whole, you know, the Asian influence coming into it, it's like, you know, that Asian street food. Like, I really like a little bit, well, we were talking about it earlier, like, I, I like my barbecue with a little bit of dank, you know? Like, I, I don't want it to be a fine dining restaurant. Like, I, I want there to be a bit of bloody sauce spilling over the side with the pit beans, and like, I want there to be a bit of grease on the peach paper, you know? Like, I, I like that sort of stuff. And this Asian influence, you know, it's, it's the full street food market <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm so, I'm so not good at, uh, I, I should card. be banned from public speaking. Yep. I am, um, sorry, Ben, one more thing. I did, we're talking about gourmet stuff, right? We're talking about Asians. Yeah. So I, at a competition, two competitions ago, so I was sitting there and I was thinking about barbecue flavors, right? And I went tandoori, tandoori cooked over fire, Indian, you know, the um, tamarind sauce is a bit like sweet and sour. So I turned in tandoori chicken. Okay, don't do that, all right? Seriously, it's not good. The judges don't like it. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, quite gourmet, but the flavours were great for home, but don't do it in a competition. Told you here, heard it here first, right? All right, uh, excuse the voice, um, but I've started to see more and more restaurants doing like a mix of woods with their smoke. Is that more a traditional thing in America or not so much? Was that mesquite? He, he was saying that he's seen um, in a bunch of barbecue restaurants that people are mixing their woods using different types of wood. So he's asking, is that is that a, a traditional American thing or is that something we're just doing here in Australia? No, no, no. I, I think it's probably a very traditional American thing. But maybe these boys are better off answering it because I've never been there. Uh, yeah, so, so different parts of the states, and, and you'll read that in Lance's book, the, the different parts of the states have different uh, native woods, so they'll, they'll cook with different woods. Um, we, we cook with um, uh, Queensland ironbark, so, so we're from Brisbane, we have uh, acres and acres of ironwood, uh, ironbark that's available to us out past Ipswich, but when you go to somewhere like Adelaide, those guys use red gum down there, so that changes, changes things again, and these guys are probably different again. Look, I, I asked somebody in the US this exact same question, and this is what he told me. He said, this is what I can get, and this is what's cheap. So that's what I'm using. They use what's local. So in Georgia, they'd use peach wood because they grow Georgia peaches. Um, the woods are becoming a lot more available all over America as well as Australia. Um, I like to use, so if I'm cooking in an offset, uh, I use two different kinds of wood normally. I'll use a hard wood 
for my charcoal base, so like an iron bark or something like that. And then I'd use a lighter wood for the smoke flavor profile. Um, I like things, you know, like cherry, apple, pecan wood, the, the nut woods, the fruit woods. But if you, do, if you use a light wood for your charcoal base, it's gonna cost you a hell of a lot to run an offset because it chews through it. So you need to get a coal base. If you're cooking your charcoal, if you're cooking your wood hot, it's not gonna give you off much smoke. So if you're cooking a hot, small, clean fire, then you're using another wood for smoking. So, you know, you give those different tries. Pecan wood is probably my favorite. It's like hickory. Hickory and pecan are the same genus, but pecan is a lot sweeter and, and lighter in flavor profile. Does that answer your question? There you go, guys. Just quickly, that being said with your favorite wood, what would be your go-to wood, meat, and rubs? Um, given the choice of anything. Meat, wood and rubs. Depends what it's for, really. Uh, is that a trick question? <laughs> well, I mean, like, we're, we're the same, like, you know, um, being in Lismore, they still, like, we, we get our iron bark, um, which is predominantly what we use at the restaurant. But... You know, like it, it works well for brisket. It works well for lamb. It, it's kind of one of those little bit across the boardy, you know, and it's a little bit of a, I don't know, when we started doing barbecue, it, using the iron bark for us was like, it's, it's that American style of cooking, but it's like that Australian camping nostalgia. Like, you know, like I literally get up every day, I light the fire, like, that's my thing, and I just never ever tire of that smell, like that little nostalgia hit. And the sound for me as uh, well, that crackle, crackle, crackle of I the open it. fire. I am, um, sorry to jump in, is that right? So I like uh, apple and pecan wood are probably my favorites, with hickory if I'm doing a pellet cook. And in terms of rubs, when I first started the restaurants, I went over the top with the rubs. I put more and more stuff in them, and now I'm pulling more and more stuff out of them. I'm trying to get it as simple as possible. I actually want the meat to taste of the meat that I'm cooking. And I think this is another thing, you know, everyone wants to put more in, but you know, I think the good cooks are the ones that can simplify what they do. I want the beef to taste of beef, the chicken to taste of chicken, not taste of all the other rubs. So I would start with salt, salt, pepper, sugar, garlic, you know, and some paprika, just for a little bit of color. And then I'll be very careful how much more I add to that. A few aromatics, a few seasonings, but really and truly my rubs have become more and more simple over the last 10 years. When, uh, when we first got into barbecue, I can say I used to buy half of Woolies when every time I wanted to cook meat. So I'd go there and buy 55 master food spices, all the honey, all the butter, you, you really, you really don't need any of that. All you need to do is go and spend your money on the best possible quality meat you can uh, because the best quality meat in will be the best out. Um, then you just have to learn to properly cook it. So, um, But, yeah, salt pepper is uh, most guys go to. It's a Texas style. Um, if you really want an awesome beef rub, maybe uh, mafia steak out if you really want to have a... I've heard it's good, right? Yeah. Goes okay? She's all right. Mr. Humble. All righty, folks, you got any more questions there? We are into the final hour countdown now before hand-in, so we might have one more last question because we will have to let our pitmasters get back to their tents and, uh, and get ready for this first hand-in. How you going? Um, do you guys ever use ceramic barbecues or any of that sort of gear, the Kamados? I, no, I, I haven't. Like, I, I've always had an offset. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, like just recently I got my first Weber kettle, you know, like literally started on an offset, have a couple of offsets. We've off, used, um, br- yeah, we've used Big Green Egg before, which is a ceramic style. Yeah. Um, I kind of think to an extent it takes a lot of the fun out of it from, for me. Yeah. I like to sit and feed a fire and have a beer with your mate. It's kind of an excuse with the wife as well to say we've got to be out at the pit, love, you know. But, um, you know, with a ceramic cooker, you can almost go to bed uh, as long as you don't have too much coal in there to start off. And um, you can almost go to bed, wake up, and a pork could be cooked in the morning. So if that's the sort of, if that's what you're after, your time poor, that's great. Yeah, I mean, in terms of my view, there's a different cooker for every different occasion. You know, I like to collect smokers. I've got way too many. If you want to buy a smoker, come and see me. Um, everything from offsets to pellets to ceramic grills to drums. I love trying new things and trying cooking on new, th- uh, new uh, instruments. You, know, you can cook on a garbage can if you wanted to, make a little fire in the bottom. Um, you know, there's, there's a place and a moment for everything. The offsets are great. I mean, it's great for men's mental health for the boys to get together and have a few beers and make fire and look at the meat and, you know, having five or six hours sitting around with your mates. Guys don't do that much anymore. And I think that's a really valuable part of what barbecue is for me. Um, But there's moments midweek where I just want to light a fire and not have to look at it. So that's where the ceramic cookers, the pellet cookers and the drums come into play for me. I was just more wondering if you get the same sort of flavour out of the ceramic towards the offsets look i i've done classes i do classes in melbourne where i cook on different cookers and a lot of people can't tell what they were cooked on some each cooker's got its own little um, profile and you can you can play with them and muddy up the smoke and make it more smoky or less smoky as you want but a, a good clean fire is going to give you a similar finished product um, you know, the, the ceramic cookers are very efficient to run and that's good because, you know, like when you're starting to spend, you know, five bucks a kilo on wood and coal, it adds up really fast when you're cooking often. So, you know, I, I like to be able to, you know, save as much of that as possible because I'm a tight ass. <laughs> I think that's a common trait to most barbecuers. That's why we cook all the, uh, all the cheapest, lowest grade cuts typically, unless you get into competition barbecue and then it gets really... Really expensive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, can you please give our three pitmasters a hand? We've got Graham from Stockpot Kitchen, Drew from Barbecue Mafia, and Lance from Temples of Barbecue. All three of these gentlemen are here competing this weekend, so do head on down into the paddock. Do go and say hello to them. Go say hi. I believe they'll all have their various books and rubs and sauces and things available for purchase down there. Give it a crack. Um, Speaking of crack, I do believe there is a crack chicken recipe in that book there. That is good eating. I've had that. That is good stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, thank you very much. Please give these gentlemen a round of applause. Thanks, Ben. This is Jesse with Seven Sins Barbecue, and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. Hey, folks, Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. It's Sunday morning, about 8 a.m. at the uh, Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. It's not too early for Jim from Bluebird Kitchen. Mate, how good is this weekend? Yeah, it's been fantastic. The weather's held out, which is awesome. Only a couple of little spats of rain, so that's been pretty good. And, um, yeah, today's looking like a cracker, so we should have a pretty good cook, I reckon. Yeah, there's no sign of that rain today. No, no, absolutely. It's blue skies all around, so that's awesome. Hopefully they get plenty of punters out here and um, everyone has a good day. So fill me in on Bluebird Kitchen. 
Yeah, look, we started about four years ago um, in Warwick, which is about two hours kind of southwest of Brisbane. Um, we didn't initially start so much low and slow, but it's kind of just grown into it through demand. And now it's now it's our kind of primary business. We have a whole heap of offsets that we cook on each day and, and it's really just, uh, yeah, it's become a real thing for us now, which is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching you on the social media and uh, it, it looks like it's just banging out there. Yeah, it's been amazing Like, um, and a bit humbling in a way because we, we have people driving from Brisbane and Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast every weekend now to come and um, try our meat and that, that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Like it's, and we, we're just really happy to be able to kind of show off the local produce in the area and, and just be involved in the community in a positive manner like that. And so it's, it's, it's been really cool for us. Now, I was going to ask about that because Warwick's a bit kind of out of the way. So, like, most people open these kind of places in, in large city areas. So, is it to do with the actual area itself? Is it that local produce that sort of drew you to Warwick? Yeah, look, um, I grew up there, so that that was one thing. Um, we, we were trying to find a bit more balance with the hospitality lifestyle and, and having a family. Um, but but then the, the really big thing is that there's just amazing producers in that area. So, we, we get a lot of stuff direct from abattoir or direct from farm and stuff nice. like that which is which is fantastic like and it's really cool to be able to uh, build these relationships directly with the the actual suppliers or growers or you know meat guys and so uh, it's been it, it, like it, it is really great to be out there and kind of learning like yeah be involved with the, all these really awesome companies uh, John D's one that's been fantastic in supporting the restaurant as well as the barbecue team and um, there's a whole heap of others that I can mention. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet, yeah. So tell me, what are some of the dishes that, that have that, that local produce in it? Yeah, look, um, pretty much everything at the moment is is fairly local, which is really cool for the restaurant. Um, the, the stuff that's been super popular has been our brisket, um, pulled pork at the moment. We get some stuff from Junabee, which is quite close to Warwick, um, that's fantastic and uh then we get a lot of really awesome just local potatoes and stuff like that which we make a lot of our sides out of which that which is also really cool to be able to have just a really wide range of local produce across the menu not just meats or not just veg or even our herbs are grown locally which is cool as well oh wow yeah so the great thing about being regional is that we're not actually going out of our way to get this stuff it's just what is available and that's really cool um and so we're really happy to be able to use it and then have that knock-on effect of supporting other small businesses. That's so good, man. So it's kind of like a seasonal menu then? Yeah, absolutely. We try to change pretty much every three months um, as the seasons kind of go one to another. Another thing about Warwick is it really has seasons. So <laughs> <laughs> as we hit winter, it really drops out. Like we'll be minus two, minus four in a couple of Ooh, weeks, I'd say. Wow. So it'll, um, it, yeah, so we, we do need to kind of keep up with that and try to offer things that are appealing in that cold weather and then exactly the same as it warms up for summer and stuff we go up to you know 30 plus days and so therefore the sides in the meats and stuff kind of have to reflect that a little bit so but um it's it's great like it's just a good challenge keeps things fresh and yeah we really enjoy that so good mate so good now i i gotta ask a question last time i saw you i think was at toowoomba 
and you had a giant smoker there. <laughs> and now this weekend you've got a giant caravan. How <laughs> I like I, I feel like I, I thought I'd never be one of those guys that own trailers, but now I've got like, I feel like I've got like I think I've got like five or something now and they're all they're, there's a real variety. This one my wife found in a shed near near Warwick and we picked it up and now we're just restoring it. So it's kind of like 80% of the way there. We're going to do a bit to the outside, but it's been fantastic to have the caravan at comp so we're not sleeping on the ground and we've, we've got a little bit more luxury, I suppose. So it's been good. <laughs> a lot less boxes, so that's been awesome as well. <laughs> yeah, some nice interior storage would be yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you kind of, rather than fishing through a few boxes to find that one rub that you're looking for, you can just open a drawer and there it is. So that, that look, that's been a real bonus. We've re enjoyed that this weekend. Sounds awesome, mate. So good. Listen, I'm going to let you keep getting ready for your uh, first hand in. Cheers, man. Which is what today? Uh, first hand in's chicken um, at midday today, and we're just kind of getting ourselves ready. We've got our pork butt. Uh, pork Boston butts on at the moment and our briskets going. Um, our ribs are going to start real soon. So we're kind of, everything's going. The 30 minute hand-ins today mean that we kind of need to be a little bit more on top of it than usual. But um, it's, yeah, it's good. It's kind of, I'm really looking forward to today. Like, as we said, the weather's looking good. I think everything should go pretty smoothly, hopefully. <laughs> I think so, mate. Look, best of luck and thanks awesome. for being on the show. Nice chatting to you, man. Thanks. Hey folks, Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here, nice and early on the Sunday morning at the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. With me right now, I've tracked down the Billy from Meter Billy's. Mate, Hello. what are you doing this weekend? Mate, I'm uh, here doing a good deed as all sponsors should. I'm giving the boys a hand, the uh, Barbecue Mafia. So they get me doing all the fun jobs, looking after the pit and cleaning up after them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good fun. I get to come and have a few beers and, yeah, give them a hand where I can. It's good. Yeah, well, you they they must enjoy having you on the team because uh, this isn't the only barbecue festival that you've done with them, is it? No, we did uh, the Royal last year, which was... Royal. Yeah, mate, it, that was a game changer for sure. And, yeah, my, my responsibility there was brisket, get it over there, trim it. And, yeah, we got a fifth and a seventh, so we were blown away. Really worked. That's incredible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I, I am useful. They won't tell you that, but I, I, I'm good for something, apparently. So. Well, they, they did kick you out to talk to me while they're preparing their chickens. <laughs> yes, that's so. actually correct. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're focused, but I can hear them carrying on, so they can't be that focused around there. No, no, no. Well, it's, it is barbecue. You can't take it too seriously. No, that's exactly right, mate. It's, you're here to have fun, have a few drinks, get social, and, yeah, fingers crossed you come out with something. But if you don't, it's a good weekend out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when you are trimming, up those those comp briskets now barbecue mafia you obviously know a, um, a lot about what you're doing if they're giving you the briskets to, to, to trim up tell us about what goes into that process about about how to trim up a brisket well firstly selection so obviously I like to try and buy as many briskets as I can go through and find the right one you want that nice thick flat you want that healthy point you want to you know, flip it up you want to see that beautiful marbling that consistent marbling through especially for comp you want to go the best of the best so yeah once you remove that sort of the point I like to sort of square it up, shape it correctly. I usually like to put it back in the fridge, firm it back up as well, because the Wagyu can render at quite a low temperature, so it's hard to trim. But basically, I'm, I'll follow that Clark Crew barbecue. I've watched a lot of what he does, and you just got to, it's like, shaping it it's a piece of it's an art it's an art form that's what i like to think of it as i like to no distractions stay focused and just get that perfect dome you want that nice fall off each side so you don't get those lumps and bumps through it when presentation i'm a big believer that when it comes to a hand in box if it looks good to a judge it'll taste better so presentation to me is i think is quite important <laughs> 
I believe so. So what, what type of brisket have you used this weekend? Um, security Foods, which um, where these boys are big ambassadors for. We used them over in Kansas. So um, yeah, Security Foods Wagyu. We did. We got a seven, eight, and a nine. They both had similar marbling, but yeah, we've, we've there's one there that's it's the beauty. That's the one we're we're banking on. But fingers crossed, the cook goes well and we get it all done on time. And yeah, we'll see how we go. So good, mate. So yeah, good. That's and, good. And how's things going with the shop? Good, really good, actually. I mean, cooler weather. These barbecue seasons up and running. So there's people buying briskets and ribs. <laughs> we're selling it all. But yeah, this time of year is always good for us. You know, everybody's out. It's cooler. You're a bit more motivated to actually cook something. It's not too hot. So yeah, no, it's really good. Things are great. Now, I know that you are here with Mafia this weekend, but I yep. do want to ask you a question about cereal grillers because yes. two, two of those blokes actually work for you. So yes. you've, you've trained them, you've taught them everything you know, I have. and now they're picking up IGC in Townsville. Man, how proud does that make you? Oh, mate, I know. I'm like a, I'm like a father figure, really. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was straight on the phone last weekend. I watched the Facebook Live, and, yeah, it was. I was so proud of them. They've been in the circuit for a while, and they've just been just short, falling short, but that was their time. And, yeah, fingers crossed, I want them to do as well as anybody today. So, yeah, they've done me very proud. Did they walk back into the shop like rock stars? They did, mate. I tell you what, <laughs> if there's anyone that gives them a hard time when they bomb out, it's the staff at work. So that was the first stop when they drove back from Townsville was straight into the shop just to gloat and walk around and do a bit of peacocking. But yeah, they, they deserved it, mate. Well done. I think all the boys at work too are pretty proud of them. Nice, man. Very good. Very mm. cool. Well, look, thanks for everything uh, that you do for the scene. I know that you are a big supporter of it all. Yeah, and best you. of luck with the competition. Awesome, mate. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Hey folks, Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions here. Things are heating up on Sunday at the Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. With me right now, I've got Rusty from the Charcoal Project. Mate, I haven't seen you in about six months. How's it been? Yeah, mate, we've just been uh, chugging along doing our own thing. So, yeah, mate, everything's going quite well. We've uh, uh, had two comps since Christmas. So uh, this is number three and we'll see where we go from there. So, yeah. Well, I, I saw you at Kondari. What was number two? Uh, Bundaberg, so... Oh, of course. Yeah, so, so up there in, in country Queensland. So, yeah, mate, fantastic comp. Um, we sort of did all right in there too. We come away with uh, second in brisket and third in beef ribs, so... I was watching the awards, man. I was like, go Rusty, go Rusty! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate the support. Yeah. So now you're putting on the uh, the Rib King at this uh, festival. Tell us about what yeah, that is. Yeah, so, so Rib King is just a, uh, essentially a side pot. A um, little bit uh, very similar to what uh, they did down at Smoke and Broke with Nick Cooper with uh, with Brisket King. That got a bit out of control, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, look, that was insane. Hey, we're not giving away any smokers. We thought we'd just do something a little bit more Queensland. So uh, we've gone, it's a six-pack buy-in. Um, so far, I think we've got about 19 teams signed up, so that's 19 six-packs, winner takes wow, all. Wow, nice. Mate, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a nice little uh, side, side gig and everyone can participate. So, yeah. So away we go. It's, it's good. Very nice. And how's your jambo? The jambo's uh, going incredibly well. So uh, for those who don't know, one of two in, in Australia. Um, yeah, look, basically just a big uh, straight flow offset, um, insulated firebox. Uh, yeah, basically just runs on the smell of an oily rag, if you like. So, yeah, and just holds temp all day long. Now, I heard a rumour, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had a little accident with your uh, suspension setup. Yeah, so uh, there's a reason why you don't normally put suspension on a smoker. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, so we, um, we, we've got a little uh, Weber go anywhere on the front of it. Um, we generally put a, a heat sink under there with just a pan of water. Um, when we fired up to do dinner on day one on Friday night, um, we forgot to put that under. 
uh, yeah, just got a little bit hot under under there and uh, it's popped the fitting. So uh, it's on airbag suspension. Um, so, yeah, it's grounded at the moment. We've got to get another fitting. Otherwise, it's not going on the trailer this afternoon. I was going to ask, how are you going to get that fixed by this afternoon? Yeah, probably not going to be, but, um, yeah, a little bit of muscle, mate. There's plenty of big boys around here, so we'll be right. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So what do you got lined up for the rest of the year? Uh, so from here, we'll do uh, the next... Brisbane Comp, uh, Victoria Park, I think it is. Um, it's in about four weeks' time, yeah. Yeah, correct. And then uh, we'll do Kingaroy. Um, uh, I've got uh, a little engagement I'm doing with uh, David from Barbecue's Glory Kiwana Waters at the uh, Beer and Barbecue Festival that's happening on the Sunshine Coast at Kiwana Stadium. Oh, cool. Uh, up there on the Sunshine Coast. And uh, and then from there, uh, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, mate, not a real busy schedule, but... Um, just enough to keep us, you know, occupied and, and, yeah, away from home a little bit. Yeah. Not always a bad thing. So is that one that, um, uh, with uh, Kiwana Waters Barbecues Galore there, is that in lieu of the Malula Barbecue Festival that wasn't on this year? No, it's just basically a craft beer fest with uh, with a barbecue element attached to the side of it. Um, and, yeah, and I'd just be jumping in his tent and just cooking a few things for, for the punters to, to have a try and, oh, and sell a bit of wares. So, yeah. Okay, so it's not an actual competition? No. No, so yeah, it's right. just a uh, just a festival, a sense. So you're basically going to go along, spend the day in the sunshine on the Sunshine Coast, drink some craft beer, and cook a little bit of cube. Yeah, sounds pretty tough, doesn't it? it it's, it's a rough life, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, someone's got to do it. I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. I'm not giving it up. So beautiful, yeah. man. So is this your first KCBS comp? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so it is um, a little bit more of an eye opener, to be honest with you. So going from those uh, one hour hand-ins in between each uh, protein to 30 minutes so yeah it's uh, it's it seems quite daunting at this stage but um yeah we've got plenty of bodies around so we'll be right yeah fair enough fair enough all right well i'm gonna let you get back into it um i've taken up enough of your time already thanks very much Good and best ben. of luck with the competition thanks mate appreciate it pretty much <laughs> god i hate you so much you're killing it, man. You're killing it. So good. So at a barbecue festival like today, we're talking smoked meats. We're talking low and slow, wood-fired stuff. What particular beers go well with uh, traditional-style barbecue like we're talking about today? Uh, anything that's going to cut through the fat. So something that's like a pilsner is going to be great. Um, you're drinking a mango sour. So that sour should cut through the, the fattiness of it, but you've also got the nice fruitiness from the, the beer. IPAs are also great because they mimic, um, cert, uh, certain hops will mimic uh, like a passion fruit flavor or a mango flavor, um, pineapple as well. Um, so you can find that that will actually uh, help cut the meat as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't don't a lot of beers have hops in them, and it depends on the, the Every percentage. Every beer has hops in it. You Every have, beer has hops in them. You have to have a percentage of hops to be called a beer. Interesting. So it's not just barley, or not just wheat, or barley, wheat, or malts, wheat, malts, water, hops is basically what you make traditionally beer out of. And then we also add. Um, you're drinking a lacto, uh, sorry, a almond milk stout. Um, so the lacto, uh, the everybody's drinking. Hey! <laughs> we love the barbecue and beer roadshow. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I just completely threw our expert <laughs> off here, <laughs> and I've just railroaded the Q and A session. You're welcome. My name's Ben. Thanks for coming out. 
So brisket, all right. When we're talking brisket, we're talking about it, it's a high-fat content meat. Yep. It's been low and slow smoked, usually with salt, pepper, garlic, over different flavoured wood profiles. Now, from what you've just told me, if it's a high-fatty content meat like a brisket, I'm going to want something sour to, 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 to cut through it. Or what I'm drinking is a New England IPA. So it's sour and hoppy. Would you like to have a try? Cheers. Oh, so Here. many choices. Let me have a little. I get to drink in my job too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can really um, uh, taste the higher hop, in, uh, yeah. hop percentage in that. So it's um, basically when they, were, when they originally were brewing um, New England IPAs, they basically make it wrong. They cut everything off a bit early. It's, um, they add extra oats in there to give it a haziness. Um, they're the hop, they over hop it, so that's where you're getting this really cool um, tropical flavors coming out. Yeah, perfect for Queensland. Yep, love it's it. It's a very popular style right now, New England IPAs. Yeah, I, I recently did a bit of a tour of the United States, and the IPAs are booming in the microbrewery industry over there. Everywhere you go, there's 16 different types of IPAs from various microbreweries, which is an interesting bit of a bit of bit of an industry trend. So, are we following a, a similar trend here in Australia with microbreweries growing in popularity? Uh, yeah. So there's they tell us that there's 11% of the market is craft beer now. Wow. Um, but there's it's growing by 13%, uh, 33% per year. Of that 13% or 11%. So it is growing. growth per year. It's growing at 33% in that individual marketplace. But uh, yeah, so it still works out it to be, it'll probably be 15% in the next five years. Perfect. I love it. Take that, Carlton United Breweries. Um, we've just got another three breweries that have been open or that are opening. One of them is actually here in Redland Shire. Um, and there's another two opening in the next month uh, around Brisbane. So that'll bring it up to about 20 breweries in Brisbane. Wow, that's so good. Just in Brisbane, yeah. So in, in terms of the different cities, you know, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, who's leading the way in terms of craft beer? Probably Melbourne still. Um, but you also have Sydney um, with the Inner West. Um, square kilometer versus population, they've got more breweries than Seattle. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wicked to actually see how many breweries are actually um, just in that inner west of Sydney, which Wayward is actually part of. To be honest, that's actually quite surprising to hear that because when when I hear people talk about Western Sydney, I tend to think more about like to his new VB football. So I, I think that that's I think that says a lot. Camera down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. So one of the things that I've noticed, because um, I was a home brewer for 20 years, and um, then I had a kid. Yep. And the room that was my brewery room, well, that became the kid's room. And I had to sell all my stuff. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking stuff. Anyway. <laughs> anyway what, I'm fine. What, were you I'm fine. Brewing, what were you brewing out of? Were you brewing out of plastic or stainless or... Oh, cheap. <laughs> it was cheap. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was brewing out of plastic. That's, that's how most, pe most brewers actually start out. Um, the amount of brewers that I've actually worked with over the years um, that have started out 
in the spare room brewing away um, and just going to these sort of festivals to actually try and get some more information, talk to the people that they need to, to end up getting that next little step who've ended up becoming brewers and owning their own breweries. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah, my, my cousin actually owns and runs a brewery down in, uh, in Cessnock, Potter's Brewery. Oh, yeah? Oh, you're from Cessnock. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'd, I was home brewing, and one of the things I noticed just in my own patterns of what I would brew from year to year was uh, in the summer I tended to go for the lighter, paler ones, yep. and then in the winter I'd, I wanted more uh, sort of darker, sort of thicker, heavier sort of beer. And I'd, I'd, I like dark I don't beer know all why. year long. Sorry? I like dark beer all year oh, long. Oh, okay, all right. Is there a is there a like a seasonal link between different styles of beer? I think I think it's a lot of how you actually feel. So yeah, it's going to you're going to on those darker months you're going to want something that's a little bit more uh, comforting, I suppose. Yeah. Simple, soothing. So if you can stand your your, your spoon up in your beer, so you, so you're a Guinness girl. <laughs> Too dark. If you like your dark beer, you need to go down to the um, New England stand and try their um, almond coffee. So you get your coffee in there, almond milk. So you can, you're can you almost getting one of those little flash lattes. Does that technically make it a breakfast beer? Technically, yes. <laughs> so I can have a cup of that and a bacon and egg McMuffin and I'm good to go. Hell yeah. <laughs> breakfast of champions, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Breakfast of champions. Have you, tr have you tried the founder's breakfast beer? Are you telling me there's seriously a breakfast beer? There is definitely a breakfast <laughs> beer. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's from Founders in Michigan. Um, it's, uh, it comes out every once in a while. Um, it's coffee, uh, stout. Um, it's just glorious. And it's about 10.5%. That'll wake you up in the morning or put you to bed late at night. <laughs> Multi-purpose. Very good, very good. So, have you tried some of the uh, delicious barbecue going out here today? Yes, I have. Um, Primal, I've tried some of theirs. Um, bearded something. Um, the, the, there's, I think we're all bearded out there. You have, yeah, to, you, no, you have to give me a little bit more than that. Be, be, uh, I wanted to say bearded lady, but that's a bar in the in West End. <laughs> <laughs> beauty in the beard. Ah, beauty in the beard. There Thank you go. You. Yeah, man, they were awesome. They've looked out for us down there. Um, their food is excellent. Um, and the guys from Primal, they've been really cool as well. Yeah, Primal are doing um, some really good things with their white, with their whiter meats at the moment, the, the pork ribs and things like that. Is there a big difference between um, beers matched with red meat and beers matched with white meat? And then, and then, sorry, and then in that as well, is there then a distinction between pork and chicken? <laughs> yes, um, but I think... Beer just goes with food as an overall. Um, I didn't bring any of it with me today, but um, things such as a That's farm... That's okay, I can wait. <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got some beers at my place if you want to come back. Cool, sounds good. <laughs> um, so farmhouse ales, saisons, um, uh, even fruited saisons, they'll all go with those um, lighter style meats, even fish, um, things like that. Uh, they generally carry a little bit more spice, so... Sorry, I'm a bit sick. Um, any, of the, any of those lighter, effervescent beers are going to go quite well with um, 
with a lighter style of meats, yeah. And with your darker stuff, um, IPAs, uh, stouts, porters, um, smoked beers as well, box, yeah, anything like that. How does a smoked beer work? How does that, how does that come together? Uh, right, get into a whole new thing. Um, so smoked beers, um, generally what they'll do is they'll smoke the malts um, using a similar smoker. Um, some of the smaller breweries will do. Um, just put a tray of malts out um, and choose the wood that they want to smoke it with. So uh, New England did a um, smoldering stump beer about a year ago for Gabs, which is a great Australian beer spectacular that gets held out every year around the, just after Easter, so March, April sort of thing. Um, and they uh, smoked all of their malts on... Uh, Red uh, ironwood, is that what it is? Ironbark. Ironbark, that's right, yeah, ironbark, yep. Um, and it was just fabulous, it tasted like almost, it was reminiscent of a whiskey. Wow, that's cool, yeah. like an old whiskey barrel. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's quite interesting, because one of the um, most popular and uh, singularly most expensive um, flavor woods for smoking is old whiskey barrels. So there's an interesting tie in there. We're tying in a lot of, uh, with beers, we're actually using a lot of old whiskey barrels now for aging. So one of the, um, one of the breweries I work with in New England, um, they've actually just done a Imperial Stout with Maker, ex-Maker's Mark barrels. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. They've got to be, um, they've still got to be wet. They can't have sat there for too long um, in order to get that flavor from the whiskey out. Um, we'll bring you over some um, Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels as well. We do love Buffalo Trace here in our, in our barbecue scene in Australia. Yeah. Good stuff. Now, I want to just um, loop back to something you said before. You mentioned spice in beer. Now, a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I, I went to uh, Dan Murphy's and I picked up a Japanese chili beer. And it was really spicy. Like, it actually like, it burnt all the way down and all the way, way out. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun times, fun times. Um, true story. Anyway, what is the, the most um, exotic sort of flavoured beer that you've come across? Ooh. That's a hard one, That actually. you can remember. Um, one that I've actually had, uh, that I've actually been a part of, was Grapefruit Kwandong, um, which is a native Australian peach. Wow, grapefruit and a native Australian peach. Yeah, Kondong. So does, the, does the bitterness of the grapefruit sort of balance out the sweetness of the peach? Is that what that, what that is? It was also done with corn, so, uh, and it was made into a goes. So goes is traditionally a um, salty beer. So you have all the elements. The way I, when I explain um, beers a lot of times to bartenders, I explain it in flavor profiles, so sweet, uh, sorry, um, uh, sour, um, fruited, uh, malt-driven, or hop-driven. So those are your basic styles. And then you can actually start doing a whole thing um, and having some bitterness there. Um, and what you end up doing is creating a profile that everyone can actually understand. So this beer was um, in conjunction with the Gresham in the city, which was one um, Australia's best bar two times in a row, and we did a Kwandong Grapefruit Goes, which... Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> we just kind of threw everything in there. The reason why we used corn was um, because they're traditionally a whiskey bar. 
So wow. uh, we wanted to tie everything all in together. I actually went to a whiskey bar in, in Sydney there a few months ago, and it's you walk through an old barber shop. Yep, and, I've and been you, there. Yep. Yeah, 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 okay. And you, like, knock on this door, yep. and they're like the panel slides open, they look out at you, and as they're opening the door, part of me inside went, please be a legal Chinese casino, please be a legal <laughs> Chinese casino. And, uh, yeah, I, I was definitely not cool enough to be in there. Um, were they still cutting hair out the front? When I walked in there one day, they were still cutting hair. So I walked through. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was after hours. Yeah. The, uh, the, the barbershop was, was closed. But, yeah, it, it was very trendy. Like all this sort of these boutique whiskey bars, boutique bourbon bars, um, craft beer bars. I think we're sort of... Um, like I'd, I can still remember a time when you were either a new man or you were a VB man. And I think that uh, the Australian culture is kind of evolving to embrace all these, all these different styles and these different, um, different sort of niches of industry, which is quite interesting. When I first came to Australia, um, early 2000s, my first real job in the industry was um, working for a hotel here in Brisbane. And um, I was... And there was just two taps, right? No, there New was like, and VB. Well, there was gold, 4X, Guinness... Um, and the, the old guys would always have a Guinness and a, a pony of whiskey. Right, interesting. You know, I, I lived in South Korea for two years and they would do what's called a bomju. Yep. And they would take, oh, 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 you're familiar with bomju? Yep. Yeah. If you want to mess up your night, <laughs> you want to get into the bomju. They get a big glass of beer and they pour a shot of soju into a shot glass and then sink the shot glass into the, in, into the beer. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh he, okay, he knows Bomju. He knows Bomju. <laughs> yeah, that'll uh, definitely put a bit of a, bit of a odd hair into your night. <laughs> Strange things happen on Bomju. All right, so we need to uh, sort of wrap this up soon. We've got to make way for the uh, chili wing eating contest. What would be your three uh, f best beer recommendations to pair with barbecue? I'd probably start off with a nice pilsner. So I have to choose some meat as well. Or are you going to give me some meat? Let's do that. All right. I'll, I'll, just a second. <clears throat> Be prepared, people. Okay, I'll I'll give you three meats, one at a time. Oh, I'm 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 still going on the on the pink one that that um the summer, raspberry summer cracked it and poured it into my cup when I wasn't looking. Um, so it's 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 summer's fault. Uh, all right, so let's go. Well, okay, we're we're having a chili wing eating contest here shortly. So spicy chicken wings. Let's say buffalo wings are a, are a pub favourite. If I'm yep. going to sit down to a bowl of buffalo wings, what do I need to drink? That, that's definitely going to be my pilsner. Pilsner. Yeah. Okay, excellent. All right. Um, chicken parmigiana night. Oh, that's not barbecue. Um, just broke my own rules. Okay. How about a nice big thick wagyu ribeye? I'm going to go a nice New England IPA. Yeah. IPA. All right. Awesome. And the last one. Let's say a big sticky rack of USA-style pork ribs. I'm going to go... I'm going to match it with something dark. I'm going to go a porter or a stout. Nice. I love all the sounds of that. Let's say thank you very much to the people for, uh, for coming to, uh, to listen to us just uh, chat to each other about two of our favourite things, barbecue and, uh, and beer. 
and uh, let's go and find some of that porterhouse. We'll go find some of that uh, steak, some of those chickens, some of that IPA, and let's have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. <laughs> Just look at me and say, and go. <laughs> All right, yes, I know. All right. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate your patience. Okay, so, Julian. Julian has put all this together this weekend. It has been absolutely wonderful. I've had a ball, I've had a great time. The weather today has been wonderful, and Julian would just like to say a few words to you all. Guys, um, I know everyone's been waiting, so I'm not going to take long. Uh, thank you very much once again for coming uh, to to the event and competing. Uh, I do appreciate that a lot of you spend time away from your families and, and you know from work and stuff. Uh, a special thanks to the guys that travelled from all over the place to come. Um, guys and girls, can you give yourselves a big round of applause? Because you you do deserve it. Over and out. That's it. Let's go. All right, so our Queensland KCBS representative Scott here will be handing out the awards. Ongi's on the phone because no one's going to let Ongi near a microphone. So we're going to call out from five. So jump up, scream, wave your hands in the air, and we're going to call up from three. All right, so kicking things off with Lamb. Are we ready to go? All right. Sorry. I was asking Scott. I know you're ready. I'm well aware that you're ready. All right, Lamb, fifth place, a call out goes to Ripper Barbecue. Fifth place, Lamb. You forgot the jump up part. Yay! All right. Fourth place goes to the King and his Q. The most beautiful collection of matching gateway drums you've ever seen. Now, third place, a call up. Can you please come up? Lamb, third place, Pit Crew Barbecue. Also, incidentally, picking up the award for the most beautiful beard in barbecue. Beautiful. Okay, second place. Can we please have... Hey, did you grab my butt? <laughs> Thank you. Second place, Up in Smoke Barbecue. All right, first place, Lamb. Can we please have Ribs and Pigs Barbecue. Okay, moving on to beef ribs for a call out. Fifth place, Angus Reserve Barbecue. If anybody knows beef, it's going to be those gentlemen. Fourth place, Bluebird Barbecue. And for a call up for third place, oh, big smile, Flamin' Mongrels Barbecue.
Second place for beef ribs, can we please have Country Boys Barbecue? All right, and first place for beef ribs, can we please have Charcoal Kings? Chicken now, chicken. Fifth place call out, Angus Reserve Barbecue. They know their beef, they know their chicken. Fourth place, Barbecue Mafia. Can't even see you. Okay, third place for a call up. Can we please have, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Cereal Grillers. Fraser's feeling a little bit tender today, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be nice to him. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please cheer quietly and gently for the cereal grillers. <laughs> uh, I've been there too many times. Uh, number two, can we please have second place chicken, smoking daggers. <laughs> And for first place in chicken, can we please have the Smoking Jackets? Bring the hired help. Yeah, 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 bring the hired help. Come on. <laughs> All right, moving right along to pork ribs. Fifth place call out, Smoking Hot Bros. Fourth place call out, Flamin' Mongrels. Third place call up, please come on up, Bluebird Barbecue. You can cuddle Graham later, come on, get up here. Second place, can we please have the King and his Q. for pork ribs, take a walk, Grillers in the Mist. Alright, pork, for a call out, fifth place, the king and his cue. Fourth place, smoking hot bros. For a call up, get ready for the scream and the jump and the wave, the flaming mongrels. It's like a 1980s Toyota commercial. I love it. Second place, can we please have the smoking jackets? No, no, no. You're the mongrels. And can you please come up for first place in pork, the Brizzy Basters. With some of the most talented kids in barbecue. And here he is.
is the most talented child in barbecue. And moving on to brisket. Fifth place with a call out. Did we get a photo without the Too late. Brisket 99. Fourth place, Zed's Q. Third place, come on up, let's see you up here, Smoky Day's Barbecue. Second place, please come on up, the Fast Lane Barbecue Crew. All the way from Melbourne. And for first place in brisket, the one they all want to win, can we please have the Brizzy Basters? And the award for the most times on stage this weekend goes to this kid right here. Okay, so there was a little side pot happening at this competition. The Rib King. Six-pack buy-in. And I've uh, just had from uh, Rusty's just come here and just uh, give me the... Okay. Just thought somebody fell down the stairs. I just had a little uh, public liability panic. <laughs> Grillers in the mist, come out and collect your Rib King prizes, please. Guys, while that happens, um, I always forget to thank the support crew that support me. Now, first of all, we'll start with the KCBS crew. Big round of applause for David Ong, Scott Barnett, and Peter, who's over there with your scores, which you can go and see after the presentation. My support crew, which is uh, made up of obviously my wife first and foremost, uh, Kelly and Lucy, who do all the bumping and whatever, and, and, and the rest of the crew, a big hand for them as well, please. <laughs> Let's count down to Grand Champions, shall we? All right, so we're going to call out from 10 and then call up the last two, yeah? Number 10, 10th place with a call out. Grillers in the Mist. Ninth place, Smoky Days Barbecue. Eighth place, Angus Reserve Barbecue. Seven, The Smoking Jackets. Six, Smoking Daggers. Five, Flamin' Mongrels Barbecue. Four, Country Boys Barbecue. Three, The Brizzy Basters. Yeah, ooh, that's right. Second place, RGC at the first ever KCBS competition in Queensland. Please take a walk.
the smoking hot bros. So that was a two and a half grand prize purse. Sorry, Julian, I was meant to mention that before. But for grand champion, first ever KCBS in Queensland, $5,000 prize purse. Everyone's gonna be wanting this. The King and His Q! girls thank you very much that that brings an end to the proceedings uh, a big shout out to uh, Redlands City Council Redlands course is is a wonderful place it, it encompasses the uh, North Stradbrook Island uh, do, do, do remember this place when coming across for holidays and all um, thank you again thank you very much thank you Thank you very much for coming out. I've had a great weekend. I know you've had a great weekend. Thank you to Julian. Thank you to the team. Thank you to Summer. Thank you to Ongi. Thank you to Scott. It's been a beautiful weekend. Good night. And there you have it, family. The 2019 Barbecue and Beer Roadshow. Huge congrats go out to Smoking Hot Bros and the King and his Q on their RGC and GC winnings. And I'm looking forward to seeing them hit the two remaining KCBS comps in Queensland so they can have a crack at Team of the Year. Before I let you go, I want to remind you about the Kettle Caps, the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. And if you have a minute, it'd really help me out if you could subscribe, rate and review the show. The ratings and reviews trigger the algorithms and make Apple distribute the podcast further and wider. So they're really important and very much appreciated. And that's the end of the show. Till next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions. Confessions.